You're listening to the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training. Welcome to this week's episode of the Gospel Project for Adults Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This is Daniel Davis. This week we are looking at Unit 17, Session 4, titled A Promise Inherited, which is a study on the doctrine that God is truthful. In Unit 17, we've seen the great faithfulness and graciousness of the Lord to bring His people back home after their exile on account of their sin and rebellion. Even before the exile, even before the kingdom, while the nation was still in its infancy at the foot of Mount Sinai in the wilderness outside of Egypt, God had promised to bring His people back into the land of promise. Through the prophet Jeremiah, the God of Israel declared that He would restore His dwelling place in Jerusalem and give his people hope and a future. But upon their return, the new temple was not as great as Solomon's. The sacrifices offered did not result in the glory of the Lord descending upon the temple like it had at the dedication of the first temple, and the promises of God seemed to be left unfinished. Here they were, a depleted people with a smaller temple and an unsecure city under the shadow of the rule of a foreign pagan nation. Was this what the Lord had promised? Was this the fulfillment of His words? Perhaps the people thought the Lord had done enough, and their present pitiable circumstance was more than they deserved. Yet God had promised that there would be a day when He would bless the world through Abraham, and His glory would be revealed to the world. The people who returned from exile were only seeing the beginnings of the Lord's plan in action. Daniel was given an understanding of this reality in Daniel chapter 9 in which he prayed for the end of the exile after reflecting on Jeremiah's prophecy of 70 years of desolation for Jerusalem. But the reply he received from the Lord through the angel Gabriel was that a greater length of time, 70 weeks or 77s, would be required to, quote, bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. We may not understand the full scope of God's promises, and likely we won't understand His ways, His timing, His patience, and His purposes. But we can know from all of Scripture that God is trustworthy, and His promises can be relied upon. With this session, we are focusing on the doctrine that God is truthful. So we are pulling out of the storyline that has led us to this point to look at a couple of other passages that speak to this doctrine we'll be looking at Psalm 118 and Hebrews 6. In point one, we see that the focal passages from Psalm 118 and Hebrews 6 teach us that God is trustworthy, demonstrating His greatness. On earth, we all have special people in our lives that we run to when we need help, and this is good and right. The Lord created us to be in relationship with other people through family and friendships. Naturally, these should be relationships built on love and trust, resulting in the fruit of care and support. But no doubt we have all experienced the shortcomings of all such relationships. These failures with respect to family and friends need not destroy the foundations of our relationships, but they illumine us to the reality of these relationships. We are all sinners, and we will all let each other down. Even in the world of business and politics, a steadfast alliance will one day come under fire and eventually fall apart. But unlike all of our human relationships, 
a relationship with the Lord is sure. Our best refuge will never be found in humanity, but in the holy maker of humanity and the world that we inhabit. He alone is completely trustworthy. So teaches Psalm 118 verses 8 through 9. He alone always keeps his word. But how can we know the Lord always keeps his word? Well, we can look to his word, the Bible. Hebrews 6 draws upon the Genesis narrative surrounding Abraham to make this case. Particularly in Genesis 22, which tells the story of the almost sacrifice of Isaac, the Lord concluded the narrative by providing a ram in place of Isaac for the sacrifice. And then he swears by himself to multiply and bless Abraham and his descendants. And this has come to pass and continues to come to pass, most notably through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Abraham. We've all heard the idea of swearing to confirm one's commitment to do something. We see it in courtrooms when people place their hand on the Bible and then swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Why involve the Bible in that solemn oath? Because it holds authority over and outside of oneself. At least it used to, or it should. The Word of God has a greater authority than our own words or promises. But if God is to commit Himself to do something and confirm it with an oath, He can't swear by something greater than Himself, because there is nothing greater. So to Abraham, the Lord confirmed His promise by swearing by Himself, the greatest being upon which all other beings are contingent. Because He is the greatest, He is trustworthy. This doesn't translate down for us with people, who are often called the goat of something, the greatest of all time. Only with the Lord does greatness equate with truthfulness. In point two, we look at the next couple of verses in Hebrews 6 to see that God is trustworthy, manifesting His character. God is trustworthy and truthful because that's just who He is. It is His nature as the one who is holy, holy, holy. And the Lord wants His image bearers to know this about Him. He doesn't change. His plans are perfect from beginning to end. He cannot be swayed by bribes or temptations. No, the Lord's purpose in all things is perfect, and it will stand for all eternity. And so we would know this. He guaranteed his promise to Abraham and his descendants by an oath by himself. So now there are two guaranteeing aspects to this promise. One, the Lord himself declared it. And two, he confirmed it with an oath by himself. And to cap it off, the writer of Hebrews reiterates what everyone should know instinctively. The Lord cannot lie. Again, it is His nature to be truthful, and any violation of that nature would diminish His holiness and His divinity, which can never happen because He is truthful. And His word is truth, as Jesus said in John 17, 17. So on the basis of God's character, we can know without a shadow of a doubt that God is truthful and trustworthy. And finally, in point three, we see from Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, that God is trustworthy, anchoring his salvation. To be clear, this should not be read or heard as a reference to the Lord needing salvation, but to his salvation of us sinners. We who believe in the Lord Jesus crucified and resurrected can have a sure hope in our status as being saved and reconciled to God because the Lord is trustworthy. Because the Lord has secured His promises and His word by His own greatness and His perfect character, we can trust that His declaration of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ is the truth and a declaration He will bring to fruition. 
And because God's purpose in our salvation is unchangeable by virtue of his truthfulness, our salvation becomes an immovable anchor for our souls, tethering us forever to the one who justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies his children in the faith. The reference to Melchizedek in verse 20 serves as a launching point for the author of Hebrews to discuss in chapter 7 why Jesus' being a priest in the order of Melchizedek matters for our understanding of God's law and covenants. The brief commentary on leader page 99 and the sidebar on leader page 98 will help to explain the biblical significance of Melchizedek. But suffice it to say that Jesus' role as a priest in the order of Melchizedek means he fulfills and supersedes the law, making our salvation through faith in him possible and secure because he is a priest forever. Because God cannot lie, all of what he has said can be trusted. He foretold the exile due to the sin of Israel and Judah. And he declared ahead of the exile that a return was in their future on account of his grace and glory. Both of these events, exile and return, came to pass in the Lord's perfect timing, exhibiting the Lord's truthfulness and trustworthiness. But we see these aspects of God's nature in an even more personal way when Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus Christ is the Word of God made flesh, and he said that he is the way the truth, and the life. All who trust in Jesus, all who have run to him for refuge, are saved and can have unwavering hope that the living Christ will return to make all things new. Because God is truthful and we believers are to follow in his ways, we ought not bear false witness against others or speak or act in order to deceive others. Instead, we should be people who tell the truth at all times, whether that be about the mundane matters of life or the most important matter of sharing the truth of the gospel with others, so they too might find the firm and secure hope of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's leader training for the Gospel Project for Adults. For more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.